Hello and welcome back to the RPG Academy podcast. I am still Michael. I am still joined with Tom. We are doing our second faculty meeting in a row. The podcast only or audio only versions will be coming out at some other time in the future. But we've been so long since we've done these, we thought we'd just double up and do two at one time. Two of them. Two of them. Because we are just crazy like that. And this time, I am hosting our stream, so we are not going to drop out. Because believe (laughs) it or not, Michael's internet is actually worse than the hotel that I'm staying at. The hotel's Wi-Fi. The hotel's Wi-Fi. It's actually really good. Yeah, that's sad. So we so we actually had problems with our internet today where, I, I, I'm not kidding, at one point I did a speed test and my download was 0.4. That's so it was pretty less slow. Than, less than one. It was half of, less than half of one. So we called them. There was actually an issue. They came out and fixed it. So we're fine. So now I'm getting upwards of like 100 download. But we are maxed at seven up. Like, that is all we're allocated. I was like, can I raise that? And they're like, no. So even when it's internet's working perfectly here, the best I can get is 100 down and seven up. And that's not a whole lot of streaming bandwidth. So continuing to possibly be an issue. But we're going to press on tonight. Tom's going to host. Not a problem. This is going to be faculty meeting number 134, Synergy Session with Tom. So we're actually going to do a Synergy Session, which Tom's never done with me before, which should be super exciting. Never done one. I'm super ner- I was, I was, I'm super excited for this, but then also, like, I'm like, oh, my word. I'm going to be <laughs> – it's going to be so bad, but <laughs> – so before we get to that, though, the point of these faculty meetings, as always, are for Tom and I to have a conversation, and we hope that somewhere in this conversation, something we say will be a nugget of wisdom that you can take back to your table and your group. But we understand that the opinions we share and the advice we give will not work at every table every time. But there is one piece of advice that we do feel is pretty universal. And Tom, what is that one piece of advice? If you're having fun, you're doing it right. That is correct, sir. So no matter what game you're playing, the system or edition, what rules you use, don't use, or misuse, as long as you and your friends are having a good time, you're playing the game correctly. That's right. So with that out of the way, let's do some old business. Is there anything you've been up to you want to talk about? Other than prepping for a catacomb stuff, um, not too much. I've just been super busy with running the one shots at Woodburn Games, our local game store, um, the Ghost of Saltmarsh stream, super busy with that, and uh just all sorts of stuff. Nothing nothing too nothing too crazy. All right. A lot of work stuff. But that that doesn't matter. No, work. No. I don't I don't I don't have that anymore. It's 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 very nice. Uh I've been watching the Great British Bake Baking Show. I'm up on season four. Oh, the best is yet to come. Oh, I you all don't know this, but Michael and myself, future plans are to start a great British baking show um podcast. Yeah, yeah, eventually. <laughs> I'm actually um, I am a huge fan of that show. Uh, I've heard so so many people I listen to on Twitter or podcasts or I can listen to podcasts have talked about how it's just a good show. You know, it's just that it's it's so um, the antithesis of American reality shows where it's cutthroat and everyone's hoping someone has fails. And on this show, everyone generally likes each other and actually tries to help each other, even though it would hurt their chances of winning. And this is the thing that that blew my mind. So I've watched I watched through three seasons. And I started the fourth season today. And I'm like, I wonder what these people get. 
You know, because like on an American version, they'd be like, you're winning $10,000. And a truck. And your, <laughs> and your own food truck or your own whatever. Do you know, have you looked this, what do the winners of the Great British Bake Off actually receive? I have not. I know they get a, some flowers. They get a bouquet of flowers, which is handed to them when they win, and a plaque, which is kind of like a cake stand, but I think it actually says like winner on it. That's it. There is no cash prize. There is no internship. There's no job. There's no food truck. They spend 10 weeks every weekend and people are like crying because they're emotional over this and there is no real prize at the end. And I find that fascinating. I absolutely. So this is like the Great British Bay. It's one of the shows that my, so we will not watch this unless all of us are together. So (laughs) my wife watches it. Um, My four-year-old watches it. My three-year-old watches it, and we all love it. It is it is the best show, and uh, I'm I, I'm still like any any game designer who listens to this. I want my Great British Baking Show RPG. Like I don't care if it's just a one-page like Grant. Hey, Howard, I'll make it you, out of D and D. Okay, I, any RPG designers out there, you know, please go out there and make me. A great British baking show game that does not involve a D20. <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, I also watched Joker last night. I went to the movies and saw Joker. And um, I, I was hearing a lot of like positive buzz before it came out. Again, it won like a, a, the Golden Lion in the Venice Film Festival. And people are talking about it's Oscar worthy. And then after it came out, a lot of other people started, started saying it's like, eh? It's okay. I'm not sure it needs to exist. So I got a lot of mixed messages, but I went into it with hopefully a clear mind and and an open heart. And it was okay. I I think I did like it. It, Those are the types of movies I usually have to watch more than once because there is just so much hype and expectation going in. But Joaquin Phoenix is an amazing actor. I don't think any, even the people who don't like the movie have, from what I've seen, have said he's amazing in it. It has an amazing cast. It looks very good. It has a very good um, soundtrack and, and cinematography. So it's, it's, it's good to look at. It's, it's interesting. I think Joaquin does an amazing job. I think it, when I first heard they were going to do this, I'm like, do we need a Joker origin story? And as much as I did enjoy the movie, I still think I'm a little bit like, did we need a Joker origin story? So I don't know. So have you seen it yet, Tom? You're the you're the bigger comic booker than I am. I have so many opinions about this, and I could okay. rant for an hour about okay. why the Joker movie should not exist. I'm okay. not going to. I am not going to see this movie. I refuse to see this movie. All right. I can. I am of the mindset that. Um, I can only take small doses of pretentiousness in my comic book movies. And this goes back to the whole idea of what experience do you want in a Mm -hmm. superhero in that genre? That is a certain experience. Taxi Driver and the King of Comedy are another experience. So, and then the other thing, Martin Scorsese the other day, he said that Marvel movies are not cinema. And so I'm like, okay, man, whatever you yeah. say. So, no, no, so the, the whole, there's this whole, the Joker is, the, the what makes the Joker great was back when Batman was first coming out, you had Penguin, Riddler, and then I believe it was Mr. Freeze as well, who had all had origin stories before the Joker. So there was, they had these origins, and it was, and, but the Joker, he came out, and it was, there was nothing. He just existed. And it went, I think it was like, 30-something years before they even hinted 
at an origin story. So, I, I, yeah, the J- Joker. Sounds to me like this would be a great mini-sode for our yeah, patrons to enjoy. Yeah, if you, you all just subscribe to the Patreon and you will get my Joker hot takes. So many. <laughs> nice. All right, so we're going to just jump into the rest of the show. Pretty much all we're going to do for the rest of tonight is a synergy session, uh, and that is the name that we came up with a very long time ago, and we've just kept with it, where we are going to open a pack of Magic the Gathering cards in real time and go through them and try to collectively come up with a campaign, an adventure, a one-shot, a three-shot, whatever kind of comes to us using the cards as inspiration. Uh, We... We'll use the art. It might be the mechanics on the card. It could be the flavor text on the card. We also have the option of it not using a card. If, we, if we're building towards something and we have a curveball that we just can't see a way to use, we are under no obligation in this exercise to use every card. We often do, but it is not required. Tom, you have never done this before, right, with, with me? I've but you're not. familiar with it? I, I am familiar with it. Uh, so one thing I will suggest, and again, I'm going to, I can't think of the URL, but if you just quick Google it, there's a way for you to like type in the name of the card and get a clearer image. Cause I will show it to the camera. Okay. It's not going to be great when I convert this to an actual YouTube video. I'll probably do that. Uh, but anyone who wants to play along at home, I'll give you enough information. You should be able to quick do the URL and you'll be able to see a much cleaner copy of it. Okay. I'm just Googling magic the gathering database and we will go from there all right and this is a 2015 core set i just happened to run upon a few of these and i bought a bunch uh i found that the core set generally for me is better at this because all the other packs are kind of themed mm-hmm. around whatever setting and that can heavily influence the the cards so by having just the core set it kind of gives us the freedom to go wherever we want so are we building one together yes okay so it's we're, we're working as a team Yes, we are working as a team collectively. Do we want to decide, are we doing like before, are we going to let the cards actually determine if it's jokey jokey or super serious? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we'll just take it as it comes. Let's take it as it comes. Okay. Yeah. All right. You tell me the card and I'm going to search into this Magic the Gathering database. All right. So our first card is a blue sorcery and it is Divination. And the te- the mechanics are draw two cards. The flavor text is the key to unlocking this puzzle is within you. Uh, Doriel, mentor of Mistral Isle. And the image is of what appears to be uh, a, a male, maybe dwarf, maybe human, pulling spectral keys out of a uh, sort of a basin. Almost looks like a pensive from the Harry Potter series. It's like a ghostly image of keys coming out. So divination. I'll start with you, Tom. Do you have any any thoughts on how this could flavor and start kick off our adventure? I'm looking at this card art right now. Okay. And I'm not a fan. <laughs> no. So what we're going to do is how the whole idea of divination, you're seeing the future. Well, not necessarily the future, though. I've, oh, I've, you're seeing th- something that you want to see? You're seeing something beyond the scope of your mortal vision. Like you could be seeing into another room. It can't. I think it can be the future, but it's just you're seeing something beyond your sight. Okay. All right. Then this is what we're going to do. You see where it says draw two cards. I'm going to use mm-hmm. this, but in a more weird way. Okay. Those two cards are going to represent two people, and that's your, so you're doppelganger. So what you see, all right, is you have a we have a group of 
This is all about a group of very selfish individuals. All right. Okay. And then what they see, they want to see what is most important to them so they can go find it and search it out. And when they look into this divination pool, they see doppelgangers of themselves showing them their true selfishness, but then also this whole, there's somebody else who's like me. A world where a double of you can exist. Okay. So in our world... There is an event of some sort that they are drawn to. Is this like a like a movie situation where someone puts a quarter in the uh, the, the divination machine and it spits out your fortune like in Big, or is this someone you know is seeking out knowledge like they they have a feeling and they they go to a person who's like hey will you divine like read my palm situation like how are they getting to this? They're getting to this by putting a quarter in the divination machine. <laughs> Okay. It's yeah, it's it's a it's a place where people can go to 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 see what they want to see. All right. So I I think uh, let's lean into that. So we're we're in a D&D world, so maybe there's some sort of festival or fair and as part of that there are these different booths and you know candy corn and uh caramel apples and that kind of thing. Mm, I like funnel it. cake. But you know, but like our adventurers or our characters go into one of these tents. And it's, you know, it's one of the things where it's probably like a two-headed calf, but they're saying it's like some sort of crazy monster. Um, and one of the events is to get your palm read or, or to, like, you gaze into a crystal ball and generally there's nothing there. But our characters actually see something, and, and I'm, I'm going to twist yours a little bit, they see themselves, okay. not realizing now that it's maybe a doppelganger, doing something that they don't know why they're doing. So maybe they are um, committing murder. Maybe they are running away from a monster. Maybe they are breaking into some place. And maybe some of the cards later will tell us that. But they see themselves doing okay. a thing. I like it. Uh, which could then be the doppelgangers, or it could be them. We'll we'll see what comes up ahead. Is that, is that okay. cool with you? Yeah, I'm, I like it. All right. And again, anyone in chat now or in the future that wants to play along, uh, short man Ian jumped in. That Madam Eva, I guess, is the name of... Uh, that uh, either the the quarter thing when big or no, no, it's from Curse of Strahd. Oh, okay, okay. Because I've seen that thing multiple times. I have yeah. not read the Curse of Strahd though. All it right. is a very good module. Okay, so our next card is a creature. It's an elf druid. Okay, it is called Elvish Mystic. Okay. I'm sure there's only one elf druid magic card. Well, Elvish Mystic is oh, what you'd want to put in there. Elvish. Uh, Okay. Oh, wow. You tap it to add one green mana to your mana pool, and the flavor text is, life grows everywhere. My kin merely find those places where it grows strongest. So for me, my initial connection, or initial thought here, again, following along that same thread, is that there is an an elvish mystic who's running that booth. And maybe they're like a con man. Maybe they don't really believe it. But this seems to be something that's true. Or maybe they do know what they're doing, and it's like that uh, the Oracle in Matrix tells them this is not this bullcrap. I don't know what this is to set them on the journey. So this would be an NPC that they would meet. What do you think about that? I like it, and I'm going to add to it. Okay. That's what this is about. Yes. yes, and. Yeah, so the whole idea of life grows everywhere. They meet this elvish mystic. This elvish mystic is a 
this druid has the anything that anybody sees in this pool actually the elf mist elvish mystic causes it to become real Ooh, okay so it's they almost like maybe it's a they're an maybe they're an agent of chaos and they just like to see how things go so they maybe as somebody looks into it they actually you're causing this to happen by looking in Okay. Okay. So this is a—is it like a self-fulfilled prophecy? Yeah. It's or yeah, is this... exactly. It's almost like okay. a, yeah. Exactly. It's almost like a self-fulfilled prophecy. So you see yourself doing a thing. Let's, let's just for the example, let's say they're robbing a bank, mm-hmm. just so we can use that as an example. The process of trying to figure out why they're robbing a bank sets them in motion to that they will then have to rob the bank. Exactly. So we're gonna. I like that idea better than can we can we like get rid of the doppelganger idea. Yeah, we we can always edit as we go. Okay. We don't have to keep anything. Okay, perfect. But, yeah, okay. I like that idea of you looking in is, and then you trying to not commit the robbery causes the robbery to happen. And it's this whole idea of this elvish mystic NPC that you created. They are giving life to this prophecy. Right. And and the bank thing is just a placeholder for now. Exactly. That doesn't mean what our place is. But so my question is, is this... Elven mystic, like you said, is an agent of chaos who's just trying to sow discord and just like a trickster, or are they like a benevolent force that is trying to cause something good to happen and they're manipulating, quote unquote, commoners and various peoples to be in the right place at the right time, like a cosmic web puller? I I like the idea of it just being an agent of chaos. There doesn't need to be any sort of like level of morality in what they are okay. doing it's just they just do it to do it okay all right so we've got our characters are given a vision of themselves doing something that they can't fathom why they would do it and this person is just just kicking the wind just to see what happens giving like short man ian said in the chat giving life to the prophecy gotcha all right okay so our next card, uh, going sideways here again, we always have the option not to use a card, but we'll see. It is a Rot Feaster Maggot. It is a black creature insect. The mechanics are when Rot Feaster Maggot enters the battlefield, exile target creature card from a graveyard, you gain life equal to that card's toughness. And the flavor text is at the top of the food chain. Is it at the top of the food chain or is it at the bottom? Hmm. So I'm at a loss here. Okay. And and you know, again, we can always circle back, but the, but the thing that comes to me first, rather than this being at its face value, that there is some sort of a plague is too strong, uh but maybe there's something wrong with like the food stores in wherever our characters are. Uh so once the fair breaks down and leaves, um, all the flour and wheat has weevils in it. All the apples are, are rotted. And so there's basically just this lack of resources, which could build that pressure cooker to force our characters to do the thing that they saw themselves doing, which is either maybe leaving to go on an adventure to another place. Maybe it's doing something, quote unquote, dark or against someone else. It's robbing the bank, whatever it is. But there, there's some sort of infestation that is causing the people in the town to become sick and limit food resources. So I like the, for what I'm taking from that is not necessarily the super specific, like the physicality of 
a bug, but what about the the almost like it's a almost a metaphysical bug that the whole this vision that you have seen once you have seen it the idea of it absolutely just infests your mind and just continues to eat away at you okay so it's like a it's a, a mind like a mind festering where you can't get away from this you can't yeah. Like you're just obsessed with this vision. Yeah, maybe it's a maybe. So I don't even think we need to go as far as like it's a biz. It's, it's like a. I don't even think we need to go as it's like just the idea of a bug. But maybe it could be like a some sort of magical, spectral, strange, otherworldly bug that just what they do is it infests your ideas. It's something that we can't see. It's not on our plane of existence. It's like inception. It's yeah, exactly. It just it gets into your head. And now the only thing that you can think about, you are driven to either just stop this thing from happening or to make sure that the vision that you saw is fulfilled. So I definitely get the feeling this is probably like a one shot because I can see this is again I use the word railroady. Like if you're it's almost like we're putting a geas on the players. Like you have to deal with this. You cannot ignore it within the terms of D and D. There is a com- compulsion forcing you and your character to to pull the threads on this because you you will go crazy if you don't. And I don't like the idea of doing that with established characters in a long term okay. campaign. But if this is a one shot that is designed for this thing, or it could even be one of those things where like it's like a side quest where. You know, maybe someone doesn't show up, so you do a one-shot adjacent. So it's like different characters in the same city that your your characters are currently in, that kind of thing. Uh, but I do, I, I do like the idea that there's some sort of a mind. It's, it's like an earworm when, I, when a song gets stuck in your head. Mm-hmm. But this is that vision. They they cannot let go what they see, so they have to the, yeah, pull the, the threads. The only thing that I keep going back to is there's the H.P. Lovecraft story, the curious case of Dexter Ward, and that's there's these these bugs that you can't see until uh, the this machine is turned on that allows you to then you realize that they're all around you, and that's the kind of the bug that I'm envisioning, this thing that is not of our plane. The other thing is, yeah, let's call it a one shot right now. But who says that one of these cards that comes up isn't? Some, maybe this is a curse right now, and there's a way that they can get rid of the bug, and maybe there's a card that that comes up that changes it. So then, what if what if our Elven Mystic is trying to rid themselves? Of this bug, and they're trying to pass it on. It's like, it's like a curse where they're obsessed with this thing, and the only way they can get rid of it is to pass this metaphysical curse on to someone else, and it just happens to be our characters. So then we could have them recur later. They may go back to the elf and be like, well, where did you originally get this thing? Maybe we have to go back to the source which oh, might tie into what they saw themselves doing. I'm told I am a huge fan of passable curses. All right. So anything else with this card before we move on? No, I think, hey, I think we did pretty stellar work with the <laughs> Rot Feaster maggot, you know, if I do say so myself. So Short Man Ian's throwing in a bunch of different stuff as we follow along. The last couple here is that the it starts with the dream, with the vision that they saw, but then slowly you see more and more of it. And I, I really like this because it gives the DM the chance to improvise a little bit where maybe the, the vision is very vague to begin with, uh, but as they build closer, they get new flashes, new information. The, the picture becomes clear. So that way, no matter what they do, you can kind of use it as if that's what they were going to do all along rather than saying, oh, they have to do this one thing and then they don't do that thing. 
Yes, I like that idea. I love the idea of an unreliable narrator. Yeah. So always a good good idea. All right, our next card. Oh, here we go. It's a fugitive wizard. It's oh, a blue yes. creature, human wizard. Uh, it's a one-one creature, so there's no mechanics. But the, um, the flavor text is the law has its place as a footnote in my spellbook. So, okay. So I'll let you go first here. What? What? How are you seeing this card connected to our story so far? Okay. Other than the fact that there's like a billion fugitive wizards on in Magic: The Gathering, but I I think I found the one that you're. I think I found the one that you're seeing. And it's the law has its place as a footnote in my spellbook. All right. So this is a a fugitive mage. Okay. I like the idea of this is maybe another NPC. Okay. All right. In this NPC, what they're trying to do is they are trying to they can almost sense this curse and they're trying to they're they're this character that is hunting down this curse. So, maybe this is a NPC that is there to either help the players get rid themselves of the curse as the characters step out of the tent and or as the players leave the tent this is maybe the next person that they run across maybe it's somebody who wants to help them or maybe it's somebody who wants to destroy them because they realize that hey these are the 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 people with the curse and it can go either way depending on how the characters interact with this person so so how about this very classic movie scene. Our characters are about to walk into this tent. This person comes out very quickly and bumps into them very rudely. And that you get the sense that they were upset about something. The player characters are put together. Wait, wait, maybe the same thing happened to them. And that's why they were upset. And it gives them someone to find and say, hey, are you having the same issue we are? And maybe they are. Maybe they're not. Could be even such a situation where maybe... They know something, but they need help doing a bad thing. And they have to like, oh, I'll help you, but you have to do this thing for me. Fetch quest. Rob the bank that we've been talking Ooh, about. Yes. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Nobody, everybody loves an NPC that is going through the same exact problem as the players. Give them both the same motivation. So, yes, I really like the idea that they, they bump into this character just before they go in the tent as this character is coming out. And this is a, a person for them to track down to either, to get more information from, uh, which you, again, as the DM, you can leverage that however you want. They have the same thing. They have the same motivation. They know how to get rid of it. Maybe they wanted to have that curse and they didn't get it. And that's why they were upset. And they want to try to take it from the, the PCs. There's a lot of different ways you could play that. Oh, yeah. And also, for we're using, it's the Fugitive Wizard all right, from the Magic the Gathering core set from 2015. And yep. they have a, like, they're trying to hide themselves with a hood over their head. And this is every NPC that I ever make. They are just the, they are just super mysterious and edgy. And they all have either a cloak or a cape. All right. Next card is Child of Night. It's a black creature. It is a vampire. Oh, uh, I, I, oh, vampires. It, uh. it has lifelink, which is when damage dealt by this creature causes you to gain that much life. And the flavor text is sins that would be too gruesome in the light of day are made more pleasing in the dark of night. Okay, so so are we now saying that this is set in Ravenloft? 
No, and 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 the vampire could be more of a metaphor. It could be it could just be something like life energy. It doesn't have to be an actual blah 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 vampires. But what if I want it to be blah 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 vampires? Okay, so so my first thought is that this isn't an actual blah 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 vampire, but it is some sort of force, whatever the curse is that they feed off of either like the anxiety created by these uh, visions. Uh, there's some sort of energy, again, life force that they siphon off. Maybe these earworm metaphysical bugs that they they grow or they get sustenance from this as well. And that that's what they are. It's just they they do this to live. This is how they are able to do that. Or maybe it's how they breed. Maybe they have to have this before they can reproduce and make more of themselves. Um, I don't know that I want to add an actual blah, blah, blah vampire. Okay, no, that's okay. We don't want to... I like the idea of... Let's use the idea, like you said, of a vampire and a vampire almost being like a parasite. And these things are parasitic. And these cosmic creatures that are leeching onto you, infesting into your brain, um, this idea of a self-fulfilled prophecy. Yeah, I like that idea. Here's the thing, though. They're giving you the idea of a self-fulfilled prophecy and you going out in this absolute drive. That's the byproduct of them. What are they taking from you? Well, so here's, here's my thought on that is that's why it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Cause the only way to get rid of this is to actually do the thing they saw. And it doesn't matter what they saw Like the creatures don't care what they saw. It's just the only way to rid them is to do that thing. So if they don't, they will just continue to be fed off of and leached off of basically until they wither away and die. Okay. So they are going, they have to do it eventually or they will die. Okay. So they're taking life force. Yeah. They're it's... actually taking, and mechanically we could do this by lowering hit dice, hit points, fatigue. There's different ways that you could, um, you know, make this work in the system. Oh, by lo- permanently lowering somebody's HP. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that nothing. is definitely going to get, get them to move quickly. Yeah. Everybody loves that. All right. So our next card here is another creature. It's a red creature, a Foundry Street Denizen. Kind of looks like a goblin. It's a goblin warrior. Again, if I could read. We were just they were just talking about the how the goblin flavor text is the best. So this Well, we'll, we'll find okay. out. Okay. So the mechanics is whenever an, another red creature enters the battlefield under your control, Foundry Street Denizen gets plus 1 plus 0 until end of turn. And then the flavor text is, after the Foundry Street riot, Arrester Holbein tried to ban bludgeons, which inevitably resulted in another riot. <laughs> Don't ban the bludgeons. So, so I'm going to jump here just because I have a thought. Yeah. And again, I'm always open. I think this is a, an NPC who is willing to kill our characters to stop the growth of the mindworms. Okay. So they are aware of it. And they are now chasing them. So either they complete the quest to get rid of the curse or they take their time and this thing's going to try to show up and kill them because it wants these other things to die and doesn't want them to have time to breed. Okay. Also, I'm going to throw out this idea. Okay. Goblins. This is this person is a goblin because it turns out the only creatures in this world that can actually see these co- or oh. can see cosmic entities are goblins. And so for years... The goblins have been, this is why they have this negative view in the society. The goblins live with everybody. They have this negative, because they're always like talking about how these, there's these cosmic creatures that are just leeching on people and can't you, don't you see them? And they're real. 
And so maybe the players now start to to realize this as they start to be hunted by goblins. And again, I'm I'm, I'm risking the, the not being sensitive here, and I, I apologize if I do cross that line. But it's the homeless, crazy person on the street in that movie who's like saying something like it's the end of the world. It's the end of the world. Everybody just writes them off as being, you know, crazy homeless person. But then later we find out actually they, they do know have something. So, so is it all goblins in this world or is it a particular no, goblin? It's all goblins. It's all goblins. So this, this fits better with the idea of a one shot because we're creating a, a world where all goblins can do this. Now, do we want to seed this in before our characters go to the fair where there's like a couple of goblins outside with signs that are like, you know, <laughs> don't go inside. Your brain will of be eaten. Of course. Or... Yes, you have to. Everybody loves some good foreshadowing. <laughs> like... <laughs> All right. So I, I do like that a lot, actually. That's a very cool thing where yeah. goblins can see yeah. the spectral realm. Yeah, and nobody else can. It, I think it adds something to goblins. I think goblins are can be, we can play them as one note, but giving them this idea like, hey, they can see beyond the veil. It's pretty cool. Now, I get that also probably necessitates that none of our characters would be goblins. So if, if goblins are a, a playable race, we probably would have to steer people away. That's where pregens come from. Again, if it's a one shot, you just don't give them a goblin. That's right. Uh, our next card is a green instant. It's called Plummet. Oh, yes. It appears to be vines wrapping around a flying creature. Kind of looks like a harpy, but I can't say for sure. Uh, destroy target creature with flying. And the flavor text is let nothing own the skies but the wind. This is another. There, man, Magic the Gathering cards, there are a lot of. Like, they they rinse, wash, and repeat a oh, yeah. lot. Well, again, this is the core set. So you're going to have, like, plummet from 12 different core sets over the course of a few years okay so we have living vines uh but we also have the idea of some sort of flying creature coming down what are you thinking i'm thinking that we continue to keep this very cosmic all right and the idea of almost like spectral cosmic things beyond the veil and let's say that if the characters either as they get closer to fulfilling their prophecy they're almost like things just start to get more difficult and one of the things that could potentially happen to them is that they're just grabbed and just pulled into nothingness or just pulled into just emptiness by unseen spectral tentacles so they have to start avoiding shadow, like 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 claws reach from shadows. They have to be around well-lit sources all the time. Um, sleeping could be an issue. It's almost like a Freddy Krueger sort of situation. You can't sleep. Uh, as, as they get closer and closer, they're, they, again, that time clock we're putting on it that you can't wait much longer. Yeah, or even not necessarily a time clock, but they're always going to be plagued by this. And then it, as they get closer to fulfilling it, it gets worse. But let's say they start to like, okay, I'm we're, I'm going to ignore all this. And I'm going to go to the beach. All right. I'm going <laughs> to go to the beach, take a little holday. Maybe things Self-care. are, sti- may, yeah, maybe things are bad, but they're not as bad as spectral tentacles reaching out of shadows and taking you. So as you get closer, these unseen entities can sense that. And so they try to do what they can to stop you. I, I like that. I'm going to say yes to that, but I'm going to throw out just a, the possibility for anyone else who wants to do this in the future. I always like adding airships to my games. So it could also just be an airship that 
crashes at some point. Okay, moving on. For sure. <laughs> All right, next one is a land card. It's called Evolving Wilds. And it kind of looks like trees that are like regenerating like Wolverine style. Uh, the mechanics are Sacrifice, Evolving Wilds. Search your library for a basic land card and put it into your battlefield tapped. Then shuffle your library. And the flavor text is, without the interfering hands of civilization, nature will always shape itself into its own needs. This writes itself. The idea that the almost like Inception style or Doctor Strange style, everything around you is now starting to shift and change. So almost like psychedelic where you're, you walk into a room, but then you're in a different place. You just... You know, you you're now in a courtyard. Yeah, or you're I think now it's the same thing. It's, it has to do this. Remember this this parasitic rot, festering maggot, or whatever it is, is leeching on you, and so they're they're able to manipulate what you see and change how you think and everything in order to stop you. And this is another one of its defense mechanisms, and it is going to change everything around you. What if what it's doing is eating your memories? And so the only oh. thing you can only remember this last vision, everything else starts to fade. So things start to seem different because you don't remember being here before. And you forget even that what you sh- that's the ultimate defense is you will forget like what you're what you should even be doing. Right, but that's the last thing that you forget. If you don't complete the whatever this thing is before that happens, then you just become a husk, a mind almost like a zombie. Well, it's a zombie story now. It's it's set in Ravenloft. All right, so anyway. <laughs> all right, all right. All right, here we go. Next card. How, question. How many cards are in a magic deck? Because these are very, Um, I feel like I should be buying magic cards if there, there's like 100 cards in here. I think there's 15. We've been through eight, so I think we're halfway done. Okay. Uh, there's also a land card, and usually there might be like minions. Uh, but we'll go all the way till we get to our rare card. Okay. Um, so this is a white creature it's a cat warrior so it's like a felinoid or uh what, what is it called um a kajit uh, kajit from skyrim uh, and then you have the aresco swift claw sure that's butcher that name my apologies to cat creatures it's a three one creature there's no mechanics it just the flavor text is after the battle of something something bridge the champion spent many months among the leonon of oriskos man i'm butchering this she found that they were quick to take offense, but not because they were thin-skinned, but because they were always eager for a fight. So we have a cat fighter, cat warrior in here. I am not seeing how this is connected right now. I'm not either. I'm saying that the cat creature is for a, another day. All right. So I, I agree. We're, we're going to call that was an audible. I'll set it to the side because maybe something else will come in later that will circle yeah, back like, around yeah, to. Here, I need Michael, hit me up with that cat warrior. We'll get to that. All right, this one I think is going to fit better. It is a red creature, a human shaman called the Broodkeeper. Whenever an aura becomes attached to Broodkeeper, put a 2-2 red dragon creature token with flying onto the battlefield. It has one red mana. This creature gets plus one until end of turn. And the flavor text is, Come, little one, unfurl your wings, fill your lungs, and release your first fiery breath. All right, so how do you think Broodkeeper fits into our story? I'll let you take this one. So I just think that there's the force behind these earworms. Like the the earworms are the brood. So that gives us an additional way to complete our quest is to kill that thing. That's the main bad guy. So we either complete the quest 
or we kill this thing and that's how we free ourselves from the curse. I'm all I need a what I want to see this art. What is this thing called? It's called a brood keeper and it's like a it's a female shaman. She's holding a dragon's egg and her hands are like fiery. Oh man, they that person looks evil. Yeah, it doesn't look like uh, someone you'd invite over to Sunday dinner. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a bad guy. That's a bad guy. Yeah, all right. I think... <laughs> we found him. Now, is this the elvish mystic? Is this the person who starts this whole thing? Or is this someone completely different? No. All right. So, you know what? We can act all sophisticated and everything all we want. But at the end of the day, we all love super contrived plots like this. And, of course, it's the elvish mystic. Well, there's also the conservation of characters. In a story like this, you want to try to use characters as many ways as you can. Because yeah. you keep adding NPCs, you're going to oh, forget so who they complicated. are. so complicated. Yes, this is the Elvish Mystic. They basically, anybody who comes to them, they give them the, the infestation in order to allow it to spread. It's all a farce. So the first time our PCs go back to them, potentially it's the i was cursed i'm sorry i passed it on to you because that's the only way i could get rid of it but that's just bullcrap and they were actually like ha 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 behind the scenes the whole time of course classic it's, i like it's so it. classic all right that was actually our first um uncommon the silver on the cards this this is our next uncommon all right whew, here we go this is a green humanoid creature a paragon of the eternal winds it's a human druid other green creatures you control get plus one, plus one. Uh, green mana tap. Another target green creature you control gains trample. If uh, you would have signed enough damage. Okay, it just says what trample is. Uh, so this is a BA druid warrior. Okay. Gotcha. I'm right, so I'm... You take this one. What are you thinking? Oh, man. They look so cool. They look so cool. All right. Everyone should go look up the Paragon of the Eternal Wilds. It's the Eternal Wilds. Wow, it's correct. Yeah, sorry. I, I thought you said wow. wins. All right. I did. I can't okay. read. I'm Kentucky Education. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. This is the only other, this is the NPC that is going to be able to help you. All right. So I, I'm going to go the, I'm going the, I'm going the easy route. Okay. This is the, so the Paragon of the Eternal Wilds. Okay. And I'm going to go ahead and make this because it would be super easy to go ahead and say, oh, this is some elvish kind of wizard. This has to be a goblin wizard or a goblin druid, all right? This is the one goblin who has decided to, instead of just screaming at people, to take the knowledge that in what they've seen and to study it, all right? They have decided to, in, instead of just yelling for people to see what they can't, they have decided to go out and study these unseen creatures and to come back and to take them out. They're basically like the Van Helsing, but if Van Helsing fought mind maggots and was a <laughs> was a goblin, okay? That's what I'm envisioning right now. This and then basically the players are it's it's that point where the players are absolutely like at their wits end and this is the NPC who can lend them a hand. Or because we originally I talked about how the goblin was going to be the NPC that would try to kill them to try to end the the infestation. We we changed that a little bit. What if this is the goblin who's willing to kill them to end the infestation? Like, I'm sorry, you're infected. Triage. It, it's the best thing for everyone. If I kill you, I kill them. They can't breathe. They can't go to anybody else. Sorry, but you got to die. So it gives them a good aligned NPC who wants to kill them. This is the lawful good NPC. 
who's doing the right, the wrong thing for the right reason. So they either have to sway them to their side, outrun them, trick them, but basically avoid them until they can solve the problem on their own, or they will offer a solution that ends our characters. I, I like that. I think it's a more complex solution. I think instead of the PCs could, the players could potentially get help from this person too, but it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy. Yep. I like that as well. I like, I like the, the, complexity of this is the good person the good guy as it were but they're going to kill you if you don't do something yep all right so we got two cards left before we get to our our, our final land card have you have you looked at the last card no i, I have not I, I try not to look at them because okay. i like to see them as they come i really hope it's good so this is uh, an artifact it's equipment it's called the rogues gloves and the images of uh, uh, looks like a human wearing gloves that have runes on them, and they're manipulating some device. Uh, whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, you may draw a card. Uh, and then professional pilfers prefer proper preparation. Okay, I'm envisioning that this is getting near the end, and they have found the item that can help them, and that is these these almost like these spectral gloves that they can use to reach into their mind. It is the only thing that can physically touch the infestation. And so by putting on these gloves, they can reach into their head and yeah, it's going to, it's going to hurt. But when they do that, they can pull this thing out and be whole again. I was actually thinking very, very similar that these gloves allow them to touch these things. Yeah. Maybe, maybe even kill them. Like that's, that's what allows them to fight them. But this story being as weird and cosmic, maybe that is all they have to do is just pull them out and die. They don't actually have to have a sword fight with them. Exactly. Yeah. You can just, and I also, I like the imagery of just like reaching into your friend's head and, you know, pulling out. Yeah. I I think what I, I also like the added complexity that these creatures have been eating their memories. There is a way to, almost like force them to regurgitate them back, but it takes longer. And maybe there's that point where it's like, okay, we don't have time to get all of our memories back or we're going to die. So we're going to have to lose something. And that can be the choice is, are you willing to lose some of your memories or not? And which ones are you willing to lose? That, that In the right campaign with the right players, that could be a very cool emotional scene. Cool. Or it could just be like, ha pulled it out. You squish it and then you don't have to worry about that. You good? I'm good with that. All right. Our last card, our rare card is a Genesis Hydra, a creature. It's a plant Hydra. And basically, it's like a bunch of Venus flytrap on a giant Hydra. Uh, It enters the battlefield with X plus one plus one counter. So when you cast it, you can cast more mana. What are you thinking? I'm thinking that, look at this thing looks like it's a Hydra. It's it's weird. It's a could potentially be it's a this plant hydra, but it looks all snaky. And then also, Michael, we have we have written a an adventure already that is we've ran at several conventions that has to do with a dimensional hydra. All right, so this is absolutely the same hydra. This is this strange hydra that has the ability to just cross in between dimensions and i like the idea of yeah they pulled out the creature out of their mind but now because they've been touched by it they can now see what's around them like the goblins so they can be like um yo um 
goblin, boblin, you you are you are correct. Like we can see, and now this is where now that they can see this giant hydra that's almost like the hive mother that's being controlled by this this the hive brood or the, the brood keeper, the yeah. The brood keeper is being controlled by them. This is the final battle. So I also like just a, a little twist of that that they can when they can now see that these claws that were reaching from the shadows were actually benevolent and they have to go through the shadow to fight the Hydra. Like they have to willingly be pulled into that sort of nexus nether region. And that's where they take the battle to the Hydra. Yes. This is, it's all about in between. It can't exist in one world or the other. It's this in between. All right. And then our last two, we actually have two lands. We have a foil forest. Very cool. And then an island, and then we have a soldier token. I think we can ignore all those unless there is something about a forest or an island that you find particularly compelling. I do not. (laughs) Okay. So, we have an adventure. Our characters are exposed to a curse that involves spectral mind worms eating their memories. They have a vision of themselves doing something that is antithetical to their nature. The DM could choose that at the time. The only way to get rid of these things is to do the thing that they see or be killed, which the Paragon of the Wilds will try to do, or find this magical item which will allow them to touch these worms, remove them from their head, but that will then trigger a final battle with a transdimensional Hydra. Exactly. All right. So would you run this adventure? I would because it's got a lot of weird stuff. I I, I I I like weird stuff. I like I like NPCs that are super cool. And we if we threw, yeah. And then also we kind of hinted that I was in Ravenloft, so I would probably reskin this to be in Ravenloft. <laughs> All right, very very cool. So that has been our synergy session for tonight with Tom. I I love doing this. It's something I hope we will continue to do more often. Uh, as always, for anyone who is listening now or in the future, if you have additional different or additional or different ways that you would have used the cards or if you use the same cards to come up with a completely different adventure please let us know hit us up on twitter facebook or comment on this whether it's this is the youtube version or the audio only and let us know what adventure you came up with and if anyone takes this idea and runs it please let us know how that goes good or bad we would love to hear your experiences running this adventure now we'll send you a cease and desist (laughs) no we will not we will thank you for listening uh and being one of our supporters in various ways including if you want to become our patron of ours and help support our show monetarily with a monthly pledge please go to patreon.com slash the rpg academy uh and we will end tonight with a question from our patron uh this one is also from big al easiest class to play we will frame this as a D&D 5th edition question, though that's not necessarily always what we mean. But so, Tom, easiest class to play D&D 5th edition? Warlock. Cast Eldritch Blast. <laughs> done. It's done. You think I- so? So so your table, someone's never played D&D before. They come up it's like, hey, can I play? You're going to hand them a Warlock. Oh, if I'm first gonna, thing. you know what? I was thinking about this. You know what? It was going to be a joke, but it's not anymore. All right. I have, a, I love the Warlock, and I really do think it's the Warlock, because the way that the Warlock spells work, you don't necessarily have spell levels. You have, like all the other classes, you have three spells that you can cast, and they can be in between levels one through three, and it doesn't, or one through nine, and it 
doesn't matter. You have a set number of spells you can cast, and they can be whatever level you want them to be. And it's very, very, it's very simple. There's several, you have some very strong cantrips that you can just use if you're kind of at a loss for what to do. And it's, it, and then also just the, the role-playing aspect of it, it comes with a baked-in role-playing tool of having a patron. You're just like, so you always have something that you can role-play towards. You don't have to, it's very, it's, it's, it's a really, I love the Warlock so much. All right, I'm probably going to go sideways to what people who know me would expect. I'm actually going to say the Rogue is the easiest to play because there are so many pop-cultural analogs like everyone has seen a movie or a show where they can go that's the roguish character they're the they're the the dumb uh brutish one they're the suave cat burglar they're the uh charismatic uh con con artist which borderlines into bard but if you're new to D, you may not be familiar with that but i think it's just easy to role play because you have so many references that you can lift from and then when it comes to combat you just tell them you're a little squishy you want to try to sneak around and stab someone in the back and then worry about the mechanics later, but just say, that's what you're trying to do is be sneaky on the battlefield, wait for an opportunity, strike hard and fast. And it's a lot of fun as a D and D player, as a new player, when you get to go, Oh, I get to roll all of these dice when I attack now. That's cool. Yeah, it is cool. Except when you have to explain to a new, except when you have to explain to a new player, how exactly sneak attack works, because I don't <laughs> think really anybody actually truly <laughs> understands how sneak attack or when you actually can use it. So I will hand wave that anyway. I, I, I do like the idea of, though, of picking the rogue just because, like you said, the amount of pulp culture references is just it's so it's so easy to just kind of you're Han Solo or you're just any other. Mal- Malcolm you're, Reynolds. You're, you're a ninja. It's just even just simple. Something simple like that. Whereas a, yeah. a warlock, it's like, what? <laughs> what is what? What is that? <laughs> nice. Well, Big Al is actually in chat and says that uh, he appreciates our answers. So thank you so much for submitting the question. I'm glad you appreciate our answers. That is going to wrap up tonight's show. So Tom, before we sign off, where can people find you on the internet if they want to get a hold of you and chat? You can find me at Bezcar Tom on Twitter. That's where I'm at the most. I'm talking about games, comics. And then if you really want to talk about comics, you can hop over to our Discord channel where you can ask me any question about comics and I will give you some sort of some sort of take or recommendation on them. Excellent. And as for me, the RPG Academy anywhere and everywhere. If you find somebody, it's probably me. Uh, and you will find me soon at a catacon because this episode will probably come out a week or so before if my timing's right. Uh, and I know most of the people actually that are in chat will be there and hopefully everyone that was in chat will be there. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. But thank you again, Tom. So I, I, before I go... What did you think of Synergy Session? I actually really liked it. And here's the thing. I liked, I'm liked. i incredibly tired right now, but I still felt like the magic cards gave me enough to, to work with to really... I didn't have to think too hard. It just kind of... And it, it's kind of fun. Right. It was an easy way to be creative. And that's the goal, is that if you're struggling for an idea, even if you don't want to buy cards, if you have magic card, cards, just go grab like a handful out of your, you know, your five-card baseball card box and... Uh, whatever and just see what he came up with i really want to do a one shot now with my with my home group not like a, where we we take a where we go buy one package of magic cards and we play a one shot and we start and then like every 20 minutes or so i'll pull out a new card and we're just like boom like that may be kind of fun i've done not exactly that but i've done a game where i was very heavily uh improvising i had a deck there and and i would just 
occasionally behind the screen, flip it over and be like, okay. And then, and I would use that to kind of help me guide it. And I know Chris Burlew, who's done this with me before, he's actually ran the adventure we created on that episode. Oh, that's I hilarious. believe multiple times. At that's funny. Yeah, no, I just think it'd be cool because if the players know, like they they they're buying in, they're like, okay, this is going to be weird. We're going to have a match. There's this whole idea. We're, so there's this anticipation. What's next? How is the game going to change? And so, yeah, no, I really like this. It's cool. I mean, you know, I don't want to get into it now, but we could even maybe think of a way that the players control when the card is flipped. Like that's a decision they make. Mm. And then that changes the adventure. Like they can turn it over hoping it's an NPC ally. It could be, but yeah, I'll, I'll think about that for later time. But thank you so much for joining me. Thank you to everyone that was in chat now or is listening in the future. Uh, we will do our awkward wave out and say goodbye. But remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Doing it right. See ya. Bye bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize, but there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.